This is right around the point in a trade's history that I kind of like analyzing them. I really don't like doing it when they happen. I don't like doing it a year later. But right around now, and yet, not this Patrick Hornquist trade. Not really. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dayon Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Pirates right where you found this. The Penguins will take on the Florida Panthers tonight at PPG Paints Arena, 7.08 p.m. Puck drop. The Panthers will be partaking in a morning skate at 11.30, after which it's expected that Hornquist will speak with reporters, share some of his feelings of being back in Pittsburgh for the first time since the trade. You know for a fact there will be a tribute video to this great champion, to the author of one of the greatest, most momentous goals in franchise history. And actually, within that, one of the great moments in Pittsburgh sports history. And he won't want anything to do with it. (laughs) He will want nothing more than for the session to end in roughly, oh, I don't know, 70 seconds. And he'll be staring at his watch the whole time. Not that he's rude with reporters or anything like that. The man's just always got somewhere to be. And if you followed his career, you know where that is. It's not in front of a microphone. It's in front of a net. He is something special. There is a part of me that understands why Jim Rutherford traded Hornquist. I do have an appreciation for the need to have speed with your top six wingers. And I also have an appreciation for Hornquist's lack thereof. He's not the slowest guy on the rink, but he's not the fastest either. And taking that even further, I have an appreciation for why Mike Sullivan's system really demands speed. You've got to be on the puck in order to be effective in the entire 200-foot system. And Hornquist wasn't going to bring that, and Hornquist was not going to be an easy demotion into a bottom six role, never mind paying someone $6 million a year for several years to be deployed in such a role. It's not a great use of cap space. But then Rutherford, looking around, sees that there isn't much of a market, principally because of Hornquist's contract, which, by the way, is on Rutherford. He was the one that signed it. And he looks to basically trade contract for contract. And he did that a lot while he was here. Sometimes effectively, sometimes stunningly, who can ever forget Trevor Daly showing up for Rob Scuderi, or for that matter, you know, uh, 
Eric Goodbranson for Tanner Pearson when Pearson looked like he had an untradeable contract. These things can and do happen. They refer to it inside the industry as trading bad contracts. I'm not about to label Hornquist with everything that he's achieved as having a bad anything. But this was the route that Rutherford chose. And my criticism, if it sounds like there'd been one coming here, there is, was that Hornquist didn't need to be traded at all. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania, and they, in turn, need your help. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org to find out how $1 from you can be converted into five full meals. That's right, $1. Five full meals. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org and make sure you spell that out. It's not great optics, as I mentioned, to have a $6 million player on your third line. But I don't know that optics should ever dictate what's best for the team. If that's where he fits, that's where he fits. If at some point or other you can work out something with another team, you do that. But if he fits there, if he fits there, and you value him, and you value his presence, and you value what he does for you on the ice, off the ice, and on the bench, which is something that Mike Sullivan always talks about, almost first and foremost when it comes to Hornquist, then you just kind of deal with it. You don't force the trade that you don't need. And that's my biggest problem with acquiring Mike Matheson for Hornquist. I am not a Matheson basher. He does things on the rink that other humans can't do. He has a special level of physical talent. He just does regardless of what you think of his uh, his lapses, his lack of awareness defensively, you can't deny that the dude can absolutely fly. He's freakishly strong. And he makes things happen that, to repeat myself here, other people can't do. And that can be tantalizing for a team because every team thinks they've got the coaches who'd have the answers. We're the ones who can solve him. We're the ones who can harness all of that and turn it into something. Well, that hasn't happened yet. Matheson is a high event player, to use the lexicon of the day. Meaning, when he's on the ice, a lot of things will happen for the Penguins and a lot of things will happen for the other team. High event. Lots of events. He's like light-up night, you know? But that wasn't what this team needed. Not at all. Look at this past training camp, and there were only about 17 left-handed defensemen vying for a roster spot, and legitimately so. When you're looking at Yuso Ricola as your number 9 or 10 defenseman, you've gone too far. You've gone too far. And yeah, I know they eventually get out on the ice and Yuso is playing right now because of all the COVID protocols and everything else that's going on. 
But that's not how you construct your roster. You don't construct it for the worst possible occasions. You construct it for how are we going to win a Stanley Cup? And Matheson, in a playoff setting, should scare the daylights out of you. He should be someone you've got on the tightest leash on the third pairing and you're only allowing under the rink when there's an offensive zone faceoff. There. How's that? Now, look at Hornquist and ask yourself in which situation in a playoff game would you feel anything but great putting him onto the rink? That, that to me, is it. That, to me, is it. That's why this made no sense. I think what was happening with Rutherford was that he wanted so desperately to have a semi-clean start with the top six. He wanted to make the team faster. He wanted to make the team feel a little bit more energetic. And you know what? He did. He did. Let's give credit where it's due. But did it get any closer to winning a sixth Stanley Cup? No. No. It, it took a step backward in that regard. So, I, I, again, I'm not here to bury Matheson, and I'm not here to anoint Hornquist or suggest that he'd be just as good now as he was that night in Nashville. But this one didn't need to be made certainly not for what came back when we come back just one question That's always brought to you on this program by Fubo TV. The monthly cost of cable is over 200 bucks. Fubo TV is 65 bucks a month to watch all the same channels, including AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh. And right now, Fubo TV is offering our listeners of this show a seven-day free trial and 15% off your first month. How do you get it? Just go to FuboTV.com slash DK. See, I told you it was for us. FuboTV.com slash DK. Our J1Q comes from Drew, and he asks, plain and simple, can we change goalie for the shootout? (laughs) Well, Drew, yes. If you're asking about a rules interpretation, yeah, we can end this question in a heartbeat. Sure, you can change your goalie anytime for any reason. You're not going to see that. I believe you're not going to see that ever in hockey. If it's happened to date at the NHL level, I'm not familiar with it. I can't imagine which coach would have the guts to change his goaltender going into a shootout after he trusts that goaltender to go out there and play actual hockey for 65 minutes. The level of embarrassment, and that's all it's about. You talk to hockey people and they'll tell you it's all about not wanting to embarrass the goaltender. The level of embarrassment that you would incur upon that poor soul, especially if that 
goaltender plays really well for you to that point. That, that's just not going to happen. We've seen different things happen in the hockey culture. We've seen modifications. We've seen uh, adjustments to how players are utilized. We've seen players get replaced. Uh, great players, legendary players, get replaced by a plugger in a certain situation on the rink because, you know, there's some wizard on defensive zone draws or something like that. This is different. You're not really asking the goaltender to apply a different skill set when they go out there. Every goaltender at every level of the sport is expected to be able to stop a breakaway. And even though the shootout is a gimmick in practice, the hockey action that's occurring on the ice is a hockey thing. I'm, I'm just trying to picture what setting other than an injury would lead a coach to do that. And even if it's like, say, for example, the last game of the regular season and your team absolutely unconditionally needs two points, okay, and you've gotten through regulation and overtime and you say, wow, this is it. We have to win this shootout or we don't make the playoffs. I still don't think you'll see it because you'll still be sending an ice-cold backup over the boards to face the other team's very best shooters. I just don't think you'll ever see it. What I do think you'll see, Drew, and that's a lot more pertinent, is Andy Kyoto and everybody associated with the Penguins working with Tristan Jari to, you know, get better at this. And, and Jari, to his credit, talked about it openly after practice yesterday in Cranberry. Well, it's, you're going against the best players in the world. I, it's tough to say. It's something where it's you and the player and the player has the advantage they're able to slow down speed up and they're you're basically just sitting there waiting and it's something I think that I have to improve on I think it's something that I've been working on and it's tough they're the best players in the world coming at you it's there's something that I think I just have to be more assertive and make sure I'm showing my my best version of myself in there and I think it'll I'll be the first one to be the happiest when that does happen. It's It's been tough. One other footnote on this subject is that Casey DeSmith isn't very good at shootouts either. So, I mean, be careful what you wish for, you know. If you've got a goaltender who's good enough to be your choice for regulation and overtime, you're not changing them for shootouts. I used to think stuff like that whenever Matt Murray was here and Marc-Andre Fleury was the other goaltender. It's like... Can you just bring flour on for the shootout? Maybe it'd be something like that, you know, but again, you'd just be, you'd be killing Muzz, you know? He'd probably go into the locker room and just destroy everything. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. I'm covering Penguins versus Panthers tonight, and we'll be back here tomorrow to talk about it.